Welcome to Stacy on the Right, the podcast brought to you by Family Vision Media. Go to familyvisionmedia.org and find out about our resources for parents and families. It's my pleasure to welcome Hayden Dublois. He is a senior research analyst at the Foundation for Government Accountability. And I'm so glad to have you here because FGA, you guys have all the cool stuff. Thank you so much, Hayden. Thank you so much for having me, Stacey. I'm so excited because um, this is a problem that I don't feel is being adequately discussed on major news media. When you turn on MSNBC or CNN, they're actually not talking about this phenomenon. And to me, it's not just, um, you know, if it was just a region or just a small percentage, it would be, okay, you, you can say this is maybe a blip, but... A phenomenon is something that is almost unexplainable that happens across the country and it requires study and the implementation of good policy in order to reverse the phenomenon. And that is America's labor force choosing to remain idle at home. And then the fact that there are more jobs available than people looking for work. Talk to us about what what is bringing this on and keeping it where it is. Sure. Well, you're absolutely right. It's not a blip. It's definitely a phenomenon. And unfortunately, it seems to be continuing to move in the wrong direction. So the labor force shortage is seen in every metric we have available. The workforce participation rate is near its 45-year low. Five out of the last six months, we've seen job openings at businesses across the country reach record highs. And we've seen job report after job report miss expectations by hundreds of thousands of individuals. In fact, recently, uh, we had the number of voluntary quits by workers reach its record high level. Put simply, there's more Americans looking, uh, more jobs available than there are people looking for work to fill those jobs right now, which is a massive issue. And the reason why we dug into it, FGA, is our conclusion suggests this is largely due to the fact that individuals can make more by staying at home and choosing not to work than by returning to work. And that's really a fundamental structural challenge and problem that is only being made worse right now by the, you know, Biden agenda and the Build Back Better plan, which would extend, continue and expand these terrible policies to keep Americans home rather than rejuvenate our workforce and help our businesses. So it's the policy because I just saw, um, and this is, this is, Related but not related, I saw an announcement that the Biden administration is launching an investigation into the energy companies because of the high price of gas and, you know, home heating and, and you know, fuels that, that are required to keep houses warm in the coldest part of the winter. And the projected increases for natural gas, which is what we use in our house and most Missourians use, is 59% increase that we're going to pay over the winter. I don't think a study into why this is happening is what's required here. What 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 should the Biden administration do if you if you could go into the White House today, you know, straight in, no, go straight through the West Gate security, go right into the West Wing, sit in the boardroom outside the Oval Office with President Biden, Vice President Harris, and they had guaranteed they'd do three things for you. What three things would those be to get Americans back in the workforce? That's a fantastic question. Um, The first thing I would do is I would ask them to stop using COVID as an excuse to dramatically expand welfare and welfare-like programs that pay people more to stay home. You know, the expanded child care tax credits that are now being paid out monthly, regardless of whether or not folks are actually working, the expanded Obamacare subsidies, the recent 25% hike in food stamp amounts, 
I'd say that all needs to be cut out to, to strengthen the labor force. The second thing I'd do is for them, I'd suggest they get honest and be serious with the American people about the inflation crisis. We're seeing it, as you just noted, at the pump with uh, you know, the, uh, the gas prices up about 60% year over year. And you know that's trailing down to home heating fuel as well for many Americans. And until we be honest about that problem, we're not going to solve it. And the third thing I probably ask them to do is, you know, be straight with the American voters about how the labor shortage is inherently connected to the inflation crisis we're seeing. Because we talk a lot about supply chain disruptions and about how, you know, we're unable to get the products in, which is true. But when businesses aren't able to find workers or they have to pay unbelievable amounts to find workers, they're going to pass those costs on to you, me, everyone listening, and consumers across the country. And ultimately, that's in large part to the reason why we're seeing prices jump through the roof and inflation at or near uh, or even exceeding, according to some metrics, record highs. So ultimately, the Biden administration needs to get real, get serious, get honest. But frankly, I'm not going to hold my breath on, on any of those things happening anytime soon because the continued policies of reckless spending, more welfare, more denial of the fundamental problems is all we seem to be getting out of the White House right now. So getting those things out of the White House doesn't change the fact that it's it's like a, a firestorm that's brewing. And you named off the three areas in which, you know, that we see the intersection of all of these things. And I was looking at the October jobs report. And so it was actually pretty good. It was an additional 531,000 jobs in October. That was an improvement over the very weak job gains in both August and September. But then if you drill down into the numbers, we see that if you extrapolate the trends out into the future, we do not reach the proper employment levels that we would expect post-pandemic until June of 2024. So this is an interesting statistic because you mentioned labor force participation rate, and that is actually the, 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 like the shocking statistic here. American unemployed people um, – that that number is exceeded by the total number of unfilled job openings by 2.1 million. So that's 24.5%. Yep. That's kind of, um, that's, that's where you're kind of like, okay, alarm bells should be going off. Instead of having phone chats with China, after which they then, you know, launch tons and tons of, of uh, fighter jets over Taiwan to basically let us know the phone chat meant nothing or the Zoom with, with President Biden, we should be convening um, policy experts from both sides of the political aisle into the White House to have a conversation about how quickly after the holidays we can even even those PSAs they used to do about not shopping when you're hungry. I, I, you can tell I grew up on a military base because we didn't have commercials. So we had PSAs, you know, don't run your water while you're washing dishes. Um, you know, the, the, it was all about basically living responsibly. But there were these cute little I still remember the jingles. That's how, how good they were. Um, we need those same kind of jingles and PSAs about people going back to work, about programs mm-hmm. to help people taper off and wean off of assistance, which I know FGA has as one of your um, one of your missions that you help people at the legislative level state by state is you help them to craft programs to wean people off of assistance. So let's talk about this in kind of a regional aspect. If, if we're looking at regions like the Midwest, 
what would you say is the the area of work or the the industry? It, it feels like it's retail. It's that you know kind of entry level job area, but the area that most needs a revitalization, or is it intersected together in in such a way that we can't pinpoint that? Well, that's a great question. I think it does vary um, region by region, um, and and you know by by different areas of the country. The retail sector is probably being hit harder than any other one right now. But as we all know, and we've all seen, there are other sectors being hit with, with you know, uh, labor shortages for other reasons. Uh, the healthcare industry being, uh, and sector being one most recently as it relates to some of the vaccine mandates. Um, so it is very variable and it does really depend on where you are in the country. Now, that, that being said, I think you're right that when we look at these you know, high line, top line numbers from the reports that say, well, the jobs numbers were great in October, nothing to see here. We really do need to drill down and look at some of the other statistics. And that's what I try to do. That's what we try to do at FGA. And you hit the nail on the head with the rate at which we will recover is remarkably slow right now if we continue at this pace. Moreover, when you dig beyond even those statistics, you'll see labor force participation, rather than recovering, it, it's flat. It's plateaued. From September to October, it didn't move by even a tenth of a percentage point. Meanwhile, in the latest jobs report, uh, the number of voluntary quits went up by another 200,000 to mark 4.4 million voluntary quits out of the labor force in uh, the most recent jobs report. And the number of job openings in this country is an unbelievable 10.4 million, which is just astonishing. And again, we're seeing that heavily in uh, the retail sector, the service sector, to some extent, the, the hospitality sector. And I think you're going to start seeing it in the healthcare sector as well. Um, but until we get serious about addressing these problems, and as you noted, helping individuals empower themselves and move from welfare to work, we're not going to see those trends reverse. So we really need to buckle up and, and get ready to address those policy challenges. Well, and the the other thing is that's not being factored in here. Um, it, it, when we look at what's happening with people, is there's an effect, Hayden, on like your work ethic, your psyche when you're off from work. Now, if you're off from work and you're actively looking, so you actually desire a job, and you're you're you know kind of going through your savings, you're not on welfare, you're just you're working you're working on getting a replacement position. That's one thing. But if you're at home and you're collecting, you know, a check from here, a check from there, because they, they have a lot of different ways they're funding people right now beyond that extra payment from um, unemployment, which can, can you can you update me? Hayden, is the extra payment from the federal government, is that still being paid to people or did that end in September? So that $300 weekly extra bonus did expire in September. But the challenge is it's it's being, in some sense, replaced by a whole host of other government programs. So as soon as that expired, President Biden went and increased food stamp amounts by 25% across the board compared to pre-pandemic levels. And they're doing a whole host of other policy decisions like trying to extend uh, additional Obamacare subsidies that are going to more than make up for the expiration of that $300 bonus. So even though that policy has expired, behind the scenes, many in, in Washington are trying to increase the levels of welfare and welfare-like programs in other areas. And that's really unfortunate. But as you noted, you know, this is, it's, 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 you know, it's more than just dollars and cents because this does come 
at a cost to taxpayers, it comes at a cost to businesses, but it also comes at a cost to workers themselves. You've got the workers who have gone back to work, done the right thing, trying to provide for themselves and their families, who are now carrying the load for people who are staying home, but also for those workers themselves who are staying at home. In the long run, the more you remain on unemployment, the harder it will be for you to enter a job uh, eventually. And it has negative effects on, you know, mental health. It has negative effects on uh, other major health outcomes and depression and things like that. Not to mention, you know, I think this is so fundamental. At FGA, we believe that work is a miracle. I mean, there's really no other word for it. The clothes on your back, the food on your table, the roof of your head, they're bought and built by work. We all, you know, remember our first experience of work, whether it was, you know, fresh cut grass in the summer, earning our first dollar, or, you know, hearing the engine start up in the cold of winter when mom and dad were going to work. But it comes down to a simple question for me. What do you think is a better day for your neighbor, their first welfare check or their first paycheck? And right now we're at this pinnacle moment in this country where we haven't had a war on poverty. We're having a war on work. And it's a war we can't afford to lose for the sake of our economy, for the sake of our small businesses, and for the sake of workers themselves. And I think that's just so crucial that Americans understand that and press their policymakers to do the right thing here. It's true. Uh, but there's this this phenomenon with us as human beings that, you know, as you get a little bit older, you begin to realize this. You know, when you get out of your 20s where everything physical is pretty easy because physically you are very strong and youthful and, and you just have more ability to with using your body. You just have more physical strength, energy, and you need less sleep. And then you enter your 30s and then the 40s and so on and so forth. And people begin to realize that it's the habits that you have, whether it's working out or eating well. And you, we always think to ourselves, you know, it's like we're eight again. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. I'll get to that. You know, I'll get to that whenever. But the habits are the ones that will help you to be able to maintain that kind of youthful energy in the absence of the youth itself. The same thing is true of work. If you have a couple of weeks off or a couple of months, you can bounce back from that because the time is short and the muscle memory is still there for work. But a year and a half off, two years off collecting government assistance, you could have been highly skilled at retail or or my, my favorite one that I think about is, you know, you go to a restaurant and you have this amazing server and they're taking care of five tables and they're doing it seamlessly, you know, remembering everyone's, you know, that that drink needs refilling. I need to pick up some plates while I'm standing here and cracking jokes and maybe even offering you their business card to sell you their, you know, their side gig where, you know, they have um, – nails or uh, leggings or whatever they're selling on the side. They're doing all of that at the same time. That is not something that you can let rest for two years and then just pop right back in as if you were never gone. And these are the kind of jobs that we really need in our economy as well as the tech sector and healthcare and, uh, you know, meat packing. We need all of these jobs. We can't do without any one sector. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, these are all critical in my mind. You know, when we talk about essential workers and non-essential workers, Every job is essential to me, and which is why we can't afford to just take steps back towards more shutdowns, more mandates, more government intrusion in people's lives that prevent them from getting back to work. Instead, we need to be taking steps that empower individuals to get back to work. And you know, we've seen a lot of success going back to what you mentioned a moment ago about looking at regional uh, policy changes. You know, in, in in states like Missouri and Iowa, where you know we're really working to at FGA to help make 
individuals make informed decisions about their careers, expand apprenticeship programs, uh, reduce barriers for occupational licensing, anything we can do to make it easier for individuals to enter the workforce, find the job of their dreams, and you know, succeed and empower themselves to move up that economic ladder is so critical. But the more government barriers there are, the harder that is. And it becomes even more challenging when you have government policies that are deliberately, in my mind, designed to keep people out of work. And you're right, the longer you're out of work, the more difficult it is to get that, as you noted, muscle memory back and to, to really jump back into the workforce. And it, it becomes so much more challenging the greater the duration you are unemployed. And we're going to be in for a real crisis if we continue to encourage individuals to stay home and we see them dropping out of the workforce in the long term, because when they do need to come back, it's going to be a real difficult time for them to, you know, have the skill set matches and the and the you know training that they need to find and match with suitable work. So it's going to be a real challenge we're setting ourselves up for in the future. Um, you know, abs- uh, beyond just the immediate labor shortage effects we're seeing today. Yeah. So the the. Um... So there's a big push also um, to kind of demonize the idea that people are enjoying staying home. But what I'm noticing is occupancy rate in Florida for a condo for Thanksgiving week, 97 to 99%. Uh, All of the pet kennels here in the St. Louis area are either completely full or have very few openings. Um, And this is just obviously anecdotal because I'm just looking around, making phone calls, just checking, you know, you go to the stores, um, expensive items, they're actually kind of sold out, some of them. We're talking about designer shoes and purses, um, you know, coats. These are upmarket items. Um, The daily rentals of Lamborghinis, that's still a hugely popular thing to do. And it's you you can't find one to rent because they're all rented out. Also, a lot of other rental things like uh, purchases on high-end dresses. If you go looking for high-end dresses online, they're sold out. I mean, $700 dresses, $1,900 dresses, $5,000 dresses sold out, one size left. So people have money. So is it that some of these individuals who were getting the $300 payments, they didn't spend it all? They kind of set some aside because they knew it went in so they could continue on with this new lifestyle of not working? Or are they working on the side? Because, you know, some people do hair. They're paid in cash. It's not a job that you report. You're technically unemployed, but you're doing hair on the side. and You're earning, you know, $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 a month. Is that what's going on? Because I just I'm trying to figure out how these people are making ends meet. Everyone doesn't qualify for government assistance, or maybe they do. Well, there's certainly, that's a great question for a few reasons. First, I think to answer your question directly, it's a little bit of both, right? You have a little bit of individuals who were, uh, you know, remaining at home and not spending those funds and saving them away. But you also have a lot of under-the-table work going on while individuals are simultaneously receiving government benefits, which, to be clear, I mean, at the end of the day, that's, that's fraud. If you're not, if you've got a job, on the side, and you're continuing to collect benefits that are, you know, preserved and, and should be preserved for the truly needy, the most vulnerable Americans who are down on their luck. That's not good. I mean, you should report that and, and be able to, uh, you know, uh, thrive without that government uh, dependency. But the question you just posed is, you know, do Amer- do all uh, many Americans qualify for welfare? Well, you know, we just looked at the numbers the other day. We're at or near record high welfare enrollment. 
country. I mean, we've got more than 80 million Americans on Medicaid. You've got uh, roughly 42 million, I think, on food stamps, you know, tens of million more on cash assistance. And then you factor in the new welfare programs and welfare-like programs that they're, that you're trying to expand at the federal level. Enrollment is through the roof. And it's funny, we, we actually mapped it out yesterday, looking at the increase in welfare enrollment juxtaposed against the change in the labor force. And it's a direct, they're directly opposite correlated. So the more welfare enrollment goes up, the more labor force participation goes down. So I think we're at a time in this country where far too many Americans are on and have become dependent upon welfare programs. And it's going to have lasting long-term implications for the labor force that's going to trickle down to hurt business owners. It's going to trickle down to hurt consumers in the form of higher prices. And it's going to hurt those workers who are shouldering the burden and who have gone back to work, who are now working double and triple and quadruple shifts and you know burning out because they have to make up for a huge section of the workforce that hasn't gone back. And that's the real deal. The people who are still working, still showing up every day, still doing a great job, um, and they don't have the help they need. They're working longer shifts. They're pushing the limits of what is acceptable for them in, in their career field, you know, as far as hours work per day or in a, a four-day period. Uh, kind of crazy. But meanwhile, you know, just, just so we can end on a high note, and I know we love doing that, Hayden, uh, I've just found out that if you want to know what is fashionable for 2022, you need to get into the dentist and have your two front teeth artificially lengthened if you're a woman and maybe bejeweled or bedazzled or have a little jewel hanging from one of the teeth. That's right. Squirrel teeth offer a more feminine look and they are the latest fashion accessory for the new year in 2022. So all of us women need to get to our dentists and have our two front teeth lengthened and bejeweled so that we can be fashionable and spend all of our welfare money on that. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm not going to do it, but I couldn't believe it when I saw the image. I'm like, these people have too much money. They're actually having their I two front so. teeth lengthened. <laughs> yeah. Man, I didn't even know that was a procedure. The more you know, I guess. Wow. I, I had no idea. Now, I know my, my dentist will not do this to me, but someone apparently has done it because there are pictures here of women with their teeth lengthened. And um, oh I'm just, I'm a little in shock. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Count, count me in shock as well. <laughs> well, in, in the, the spirit of all things um, work, I'm so glad you were able to join us. I know you're busy. And then FGA, um, the work that you all are doing in the States, I think it's valuable. I wish you guys had like, you know, 100% more um, ability to get into every single state simultaneously and do the education work that you're doing to, to help people understand um, not just the value of work, but also the value of not being a part of the government system as a way of life. Um, in any case, Thanksgiving is next week. I want to say happy Thanksgiving. I hope you have a very restful and wonderful time. Hayden Dublos, Senior Research Analyst at the Foundation for Government Accountability. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. And happy Thanksgiving to you as well, Stacey. Appreciate it. And that's the podcast. I'm really, really excited about um, getting this information out there. Please share this. Please let people know what the real situation is because they're not getting it from the media. And visit us at StacyOnTheRight.com and FamilyVisionMedia.org. See you next time. <laughs>